And I believe that if all of us are honest at some point in our life, that we struggle with having joy. Amen? You ever, you ever been there or is that just me? 30 years. 30, I'm, I'm 31 and I struggle with it for 30 years. Alright? So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna share with you tonight, I'm gonna get into some of my testimony and I'm just gonna share with you, okay? So I'm 16 and 11. This is what, this is what the psalmist says. This is very powerful. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist said that God, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. One thing that we have to realize about the spirit of joy, about it working in our life, is that it all starts with God. You have to understand that tonight. That joy does not come from anything that you do. Joy is not not anything that you can earn. Joy simply comes from being in the presence of God. If you look up the Greek meaning for joy, you know what it means? It means joy. But it also means this. It means a source of joy. So, the literally meaning of joy is a source of joy. So the only way that you can get joy is from joy. What is joy? It's God. God is the source of joy. And the only way you can get joy is through the source, and that's through God. My joy is not based on anything that I do, or anything that I accomplish, or anything that you can give me, or anything that I can do in this world. But my joy is simply based on a relationship with God. One thing we must realize... That it is God's will for us to have joy. Do you know that many people do not realize that it's God's will for you to have joy? That it's not God's will for you to have enjoy your life? Do you know that there is such a spirit of religion and such a spirit of bondage on many people in the church that they don't realize that they have, they can enjoy life? It's bondage. Listen, it, it wasn't my idea. It was God's. If we can ever get that in our spirit, that it's not something that I've conjured up, but it's God's idea. Whew. It was God's idea for me to have joy. It was God's idea for me to enjoy my kids. But you don't know how my kids act. Maybe I don't. But maybe if you quit trying to be their best friend and tell them no every once in a while, you would enjoy them more. But that's for another time. Well, your kids are only eight and nine. Hey, 
I'm only 31. I remember what it was like being 16 and 17. I didn't have no best friend living in my home, I promise you. I had a shepherd. But anyways, we're talking about joy. For many reasons, many people, they have no joy. Many people live a life of sadness and a depression. Fearfulness, full of worry and anxiety. Many people live a life where it seems like there's a cloud of darkness always over their head. I lived for 30 years without the joy. And about four months ago, I'm on my way home. And it's like a vicious cycle, man. Every week, every Monday, and Sunday, I'm fired up at Monday. By Monday afternoon, I'm just, man, I'm fasting. Okay, I'm fasting every Monday. Sometimes Tuesday and Wednesday. I can't, I call, call in Scott, hey man, I can't work out, I'm fasting, you know. I can't go out to eat my family because I'm fasting. I can't talk to my kids because I'm fasting and praying. You think I'm playing? I'm not playing. Bondage, man. Trying to work my way into joy. Trying to earn my way into joy. There's nothing I can do in this life to earn joy. There's nothing I can do in this life to earn God's approval. Do you hear me? I can't fast enough. I can't pray enough. I can't sing enough. I can't give enough. It absolutely is a gift. Whether I receive it or don't receive it, it's all up to me. I don't receive joy because of action. I receive joy because of revelation. And I cried out to God. I said, God, you know I'm really sick of this trash. But I don't understand how to get there. Man, I pray enough to see revival, I promise you. (laughs) I fasted enough to see the dead raised, I promise you. But you don't have to fast and pray to have joy. You just have to believe. You have to believe that it's God's purpose for your life. Let me tell you something. You don't have to live in worry and anxiety and fear. You don't have to live. We got a guy that we work with that, man, you, I don't, you, you know TNT, you know how they all have like the, like sayings, you know, well, what's TNT? It's the drama network, right? We got a guy that we work with that we call him TNT because he is the drama network. Man, you don't have to live that way. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for you. But you don't know the circumstances that I go through. No, but I I read about <laughs> I read about the disciples. They beat them, threw them in prison, and what they do? They rejoiced. They got happy about it. Something goes wrong in my family, man, when I get sad. I couldn't imagine what I'd do if you beat me. Do you see what I'm saying? I begin to realize that my joy is not in me. My joy wasn't what I, what I did for God yesterday. 
But my joy was paid for at the cross. We, we can't work for joy, but we receive it by revelation. We receive it by revelation of the broken, bloody, raw piece of meat that hung on the cross. That's how we receive it. Why did the disciples have joy in the midst of a storm? Why could Paul in the midst of a storm say, hey man, everything's going to be okay because the angel Lord stood beside me last night. Why could he have joy when everything else was chaos in his life? Because he had a revelation of the cross. But why could the Gentile, I mean, why could the the Pharisees and Sadducees, why did they have no joy? Because they could not have revelation of the cross. Because the cross was offensive to them. It was offensive to them. Because that he was unclean. A man hanging on the cross, bloody, bloody, bleeding, broken and dead, hanging on the cross, was unclean to them. It was against their law. And they could not see past the law. All they seen was an offense. So they never tapped into joy. The only way that we ever tap into joy is from a revelation of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the only way that I ever broke out of being in the moldy grubs of realizing that, realizing that it wasn't how much I fasted. It wasn't how much I prayed. I cannot base my joy on how much God's using me or how much God's working in me. I base my joy on the depth of, on the death of the cross. It's all in revelation of the cross. How do you know that? I'm going to tell you. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. My joy is all in the fountain of salvation. You don't need to do more things to get joy. You necessarily may not even have to change anything in your life. You just need a revelation of the cross. Praise God. Listen, my joy is measured by the grace that I receive from the cross. (laughs) My joy is measured by the grace that I receive from the cross. I don't think we need a greater revelation of the cross of grace so that we can sin more. I think we need a greater revelation of grace so that we can enjoy the cross more. Let me say that again. I don't think we need a greater revelation of grace so that we can sin more. We need a greater revelation of grace so that we can enjoy the cross more. You get that kind of stuff when you pray without ceasing. I didn't get that out of a book, thank God. And I didn't copy off my dad either. One of the greatest traps that the enemy uses to take our joy is religious works. I was one of the most religious person you've ever met. What? Listen, when, when you work out of religion and not out of relationship, joy is lost. 
Where... He said, there is fullness of joy in my presence. There's fullness of joy in relationship with Him. What happens, we place ourselves in bondage. You know where I got this word at? I got this word at the gym. Working out. It's ironic to me that the devil, you know how many times he tried to take that from me? You don't need to work out. You need to pray more. You need to fast more. Why? Because working out brings joy to my life. I'm in some pain today, I promise you. But it brings joy to my life. I enjoy it. You know what I also enjoy? I enjoy watching movies every once in a while. I sure do. First time I ever heard that, isn't it? I'm not talking about watching um, nudity and listening to GD. There ain't nothing wrong with sitting down and watching a good movie. The enemy will try to do anything to take your joy. He'll do anything to put you in bondage and anything to put you in works and out of relationship. Quit trying to work for joy. Don't be ignorant. I'm not giving you a license of sin. And there ain't even no fine line I'm preaching on. That's the problem. Our lines are too fine. We need a fat line in between grace and sin. If your line wasn't so fat, you would quit crossing over. The devil will do anything to take joy from our life. Listen, if it brings you joy and it's not sin, if it doesn't separate you from God and you're not making a God out of it, then enjoy doing it. Do you hear me? This is a great revelation. Paul, he's sitting here and he's writing in Romans. He's, he's writing about people eating meat, okay? And eating things that, that the law said was wrong, but we know that Jesus said, hey, I've named all things clean and you're no longer over that. But some people still want to abide, uh, uh, abide by the law. And so God's like, hey, that's fine. If you want to do it, you do it. Hey, you're not going to go to hell. But hey, you know, if, it, if it's right for you, it's right for you. If it's wrong for you, it's wrong for you. No big deal, okay? But this is what, this is what he says. In Romans 14 and 22, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing. He's talking about the eating of meat. But keep it between yourself and God. Listen to this. I love this. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. If you and God have decided it's right, and God gave it to you as a gift... And God is putting it in your life because it brings you joy. Don't let the devil come along and put guilt on you for doing it. Now you better be sensitive and fearful to God as you work out your plan of salvation. And you work out your soul and work your spirit to be above your soul. And not your fleshly nature to rule your life. But if God declares it to be fine and God declares it to be clean, then enjoy it. Because there's a spirit of religion and a spirit of bondage that has moved upon the church that we are trying to work our way into something that God's idea was for it to be blessed and joyful for your life. Joy is poured out of relationship with His presence. In His presence are fullness of joy and His right hand is pleasures forevermore. Let me tell you something. Joy is God's character. 
What is God? God is love. I like what Pastor said, but he's also holy, so quit sinning. Mm. But he talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and 22. And the number one thing he names is love, which is not a surprise. But then the second thing he names is joy. It's his character. It pours out of him. Why, why did Jesus come? To save us, right? You know why else he came? To restore joy. It's prophesied in Isaiah chapter 61. And then it's prophesied, I'm sorry, it's fulfilled in Luke chapter 4. But listen to what he says in Isaiah 61 and 3. This is why he's come. To grant joy to those who mourn in Zion. To give them an ornament of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment, the expression of praise instead of a heavy, burden, fallen spirit. Listen, there is inner joy. I'm talking about inner joy. There is abundant of life and abundant of joy in serving God and have a relationship with Him. Why are we not experiencing abundant joy? Because we are working for God instead of working through relationship with God. When you begin to work to get something from God instead of working because you love God, then you lose joy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. He came to restore joy, amen? He died on the cross. He was broken and bleeding on the cross to restore joy to your life. To all those who mourn, to all those under a dark cloud, to all those battling with fear, worry, and anxiety, to all those struggling without having joy. He said, I've come to set the captive free and to give joy to my people. It's not my idea, but it's his idea. It is His purpose and His will for your life to experience joy. But you don't know what I go through. No, but I read what they went through. You know what Paul said? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, Our hearts are filled with anguish. We are overwhelmed with anguish. But yet we are full of joy. That's crazy. Listen to this. Many have happiness. Everyone has happiness. But not many have true joy. Happiness, this is how happiness works. You're happy when you're getting things that you want. Happiness only lasts for a season. Happiness is when you're getting your way, when you're getting to do what you want to do, and when everyone's on your side. But real joy is when all hell hates you. And nothing's going your way, and nobody is on your side, and you're still smiling. That's joy. Happiness fades when the storm clouds begin to come in. 
Happiness fades when the vacation is over. Happiness fades when the banking account is empty. Happiness fades when you get told no. But joy becomes our foundation when everything around us is seeking sand. That's joy. Listen, don't let any storm be, any storm be labeled in your life of that that took your joy. Let me say that again. Don't let any storm, any trial, any day in your life be that be labeled as the thing that took your joy. Refuse to live without joy. James 1 and 2 says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You, some of you may have not known that was in there. I seem to forget it's in there sometimes. But when your faith, your joy is tested, it brings about endurance. So let it grow. For when your endurance, your perseverance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So when troubles and trials and storms come our way, what should we do? The word of God says this, count it all joy, because God is working it out. My brother stood up here Sunday morning and he quoted Romans 8 and 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to His purpose. God's got a plan. When you can't pay your house note, God's got a plan, amen? You might as well rejoice, amen? Now, I'm not saying this is easy. What I'm saying is you've got to reprogram yourself. God gave me a revelation four months ago, but I am still reprogramming myself because I have been programmed to be happy and not be joyful. Amen. I've been programmed to be happy when God was using me, but when I'm in a dry season, I don't have anything. I've been programmed that I've got to work and work my way in and try to make myself worthy of joy, but I'm having to reprogram myself that it's God's idea that I should be joyful in troubled times. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Man, there's a spirit of deception that, it, they, that has made the church think that we're called to mourn and just walk around in sackcloth and ashes. Man, that's Old Testament stuff. And I'm not against the Old Testament at all. But dear God, I'm under grace. And I know I got bad times. I know I go through some stuff. But Jesus Christ, I believe he did the mourning on the cross. I may have to mourn for those that are lost and those that are broken. But I don't have to mourn over my circumstances. Because they were paid for at the cross. Somewhere along the line, the spirit of deception come in and make people think that if they ain't smiling, they ain't holy. You know how many times that I've sat around and I just sit over in a corner meditating on God? Mm, mm. No smile on my face because I'm holy. What in the world about that makes you holy? Makes you weird. (laughs) Oh, dear God. That's a false position of holiness. That's a false position to try to get joy from God. Listen, what good are we to the world to break them out of their cloud of darkness if we're never to have joy in our life? 
Why don't people come to our church? Because we ain't happy. Because we don't have joy. You get a bunch of people with the revelation of the cross and full of joy and ain't nothing get them down. I'm telling you, they'll feel the church. You don't think when Paul and you don't think when Peter and John walked out of the prison all happy, all glad, bleeding, broken on the back. You don't think when Paul and Silas were bleeding and broken at midnight hour, singing and praising and worship, you don't think it got somebody's attention? Dear God, it will shake hell and it will draw those to a, to a character that the world has not seen. The world has not seen the character of joy of God flowing out of the body. Because we're in sackcloth and mourning. Listen, listen. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4. Hey, if you want to talk about a book full of mourning, then read that, okay? If you're ever depressed, don't read it. But even the depressed man wrote this. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 says, There's a time to cry, but also a time to laugh. Stop crying all the time and laugh some. And I know my family, they're going to get me. Because, man, sometimes I'll fall back into that, ooh, ooh, ooh. Don't say that word around me. There's a time to grieve. There's also a time to dance. And we need to dance again. When's the last time you and your bride just danced? When's the time you just, just, your family just had a time of dancing? And just get plumb excited. It also says this, Ecclesiastes 3 and 13. People should eat and drink and enjoy the fruit of labor, for these are the gift from God. If you're always trying to earn God, earn God's joy, and earn God's blessings, then you never get time to enjoy the fruit of your labor. If you're going to labor, at least take time to enjoy it. If you're going to fast, you're going to pray, and you're going to seek the face of God, at least take time to enjoy His fullness of joy. Holiness is not being sad. Holiness is not never cracking a smile. God is joyful and his heart is glad. Listen to this. Psalm 16 verse 6 says, God has spoken in his holiness. Okay? So he declares right right there that I am holy, right? But then listen to what else he really declares. Right after he declares I'm holy, he says, I will rejoice. Let that sink into you tonight. You're encountering a God of joy. You're encountering a Father that's not mad at you and not sad at you. But you're encountering a God, a Father that delights in you. Many churches, there's this unspoken message. I'm not talking about this church, but let's just say the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, there's this unspoken message about God that He's mostly mad or sad. But we never talk about him smiling. Is that true? And so when you try to come before him, and you try to come before his throne room, you're always feeling like, oh, I don't know. I think he may be mad at me because I messed up. I think he may be sad at me. No. 
He don't even see you. He sees the righteousness of his son. When I came into this house tonight, I worked all day long. I wasn't able to spend the time with God that I wanted to. You think that I felt guilty when I came in here because I had to work for my family today? Well, I don't know if I can worship. Maybe they'd be mad at me or sad at me. No. When's the last time that you were mad or sad because your kids came and gave you a hug? Did they stink? You better believe they stunk. Listen, don't you dare get me wrong. If you go out and sin tonight, it ain't my fault. Just because I decide to be nice for one week doesn't mean you can go out and sin. All I'm saying is God's happy. He's happy about you. He smiles. The nearer you get to the throne of God, the more overwhelming you will be about the joy that radiates and flows out of Him. When I imagine the throne of God, I never imagine the 24 elders and the, and the four living creatures. I never, I never imagine God smiling at them until I begin to research this and study this. You think He just sits there the whole time like this? No, I can imagine Him just smiling at them. As they circle his throne, smiling at him. Maybe winking at him every once in a while. Maybe throwing up, you know, I love you every once in a while. I mean, what do you think we get our love from? The love that we have? The earthly, carnal love. What do you think we get it from? What do you think we get our smiles from? Were we not made in his image? Let me tell you something. God smiles. And he has beautiful teeth. Is happy. That's why I should be happy. He has joy. That's why I should be full of joy. Listen, God, God wants you. God, God, God actually picked you out, and He knew what He was getting Himself into. He didn't adopt you and then get into the relationship. And say, oh man, I messed up. He's never once wanted a divorce from you. You bring joy to the heart of God. Do you hear me? And when we begin to grow in the revelation that we bring joy to the heart of God, man, it'll make your heart do some crazy stuff. It'll make you smile when you really shouldn't smile. It'll make you have hope when you shouldn't have hope. Because you know the heart of God is happy. Hey, you ever heard the, the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Well, the apple doesn't fall far, far, far from the tree, church. Let us take on the character of joy because it is the character of God. Listen to what it says for, about him in Zaph, Zephaniah 3 and 17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is mighty to save and he will take delight in you with his gladness with his love he will calm all your fears he will rejoice over you with joyful songs he sings over you with a smile on his face why do I deserve to be happy because I'm made in his image and Jesus Christ died on the cross why do I deserve to have inner joy? Why do I deserve it? 
Because Jesus Christ. You don't have to live without joy. Your marriage does not have to live without joy. Your home does not have to live in strife and without joy any longer. And then we got Jesus sitting at the right hand, just beaming with a radiant smile that we couldn't even imagine. Look at this. Look at what God says about Christ. He says it in Psalms 45 and 7, then Hebrews 1 and 9. And I'm, I'm closing. Psalms 45 and 7. You love righteousness and you hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, poured out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. So God appoints and anoints Jesus as the man of joy. More than anybody else has ever walked the face of the earth. In humanity. Flesh and blood just like me and you. He was anointed and appointed to have joy. The whole world since the beginning of time has been looking for the oil of joy. And will do almost anything to get it. People will do almost anything to get joy. What was the secret of Christ? He loved righteousness and hated evil. But many just kind of hate evil. Kind of tolerate evil. And really dread having to live righteous lives. God poured out joy on Jesus. Why? Because he hated evil. He hated sin. Jesus didn't live in turmoil. Where did he get his personality from? He said, I do what I see my father do. And I say what I heard my father say. He came to earth and reflected the character of God. Christ came to earth in a human body just like me and you and reflected the character of God. And if anyone had a reason not to have joy, it was Christ. One of his twelve turned their back on him. I could go on and on and on. He was a man, a joyful person. He enjoyed life to the point that they called him a gluttoner and a drunker. That's how much he enjoyed life. He was so glad. And I I know he was was just smiling all the time. Just walk around smiling. There's never been a man. There's never been a man that has enjoyed life any more than Jesus Christ had. You know, you've been around those people that just make you smile, just make you happy. That's why everyone wants wants to counsel with mom and don't want to counsel with dad. Because she makes them laugh. I live with a boy that, man, I, he, he just he brings joy to you. The only time I tell him to quit is when I'm tired and I'm trying to go to bed. But he just, he, his life, it's like he just has a gift just to make people laugh. And that's the way Jesus was. Just full of joy. When Jesus would walk into a town... 
All the little kids are just running to meet him. Listen, you can fake out adults, but you can't fake out kids. Why did they want to be around Jesus? Because he was full of joy. They were infatuated with joy. They were infatuated that he enjoyed life. Listen, being with Jesus is like having a happy birthday every day. All day long. When Jesus comes into your life, it should be like Santa Claus coming in every day, having just having Christmas every day. Just abundance of joy, abundance of happiness, abundance of gifts. I want you to know that your father and your husband is happy. Your Savior Jesus Christ, they're happy. They, they're joyful people. They smile. They're not always serious. Do they hate sin? You better believe they hate sin. Do I hate sin? You better believe it. But also hate being sad. I hate you being sad. I hate you having to live under a dark cloud. I hate your home having to live under a dark cloud. And so I believe that God has come with a revelation tonight that there is joy. Now, if he's the source of joy, then he has the power to impart joy, right? Listen to what he says. John 15 and 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. It's one of the last things he said to the disciples. He's the source of it and he has the power to impart it. And he wants to impart a spirit of joy and inner joy into our hearts tonight. Let me leave you with this one scripture, Philippians 4 and 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. He repeated himself. The Spirit of God repeated himself through Paul. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Man, I just want you to have joy. God, <laughs> I, I, I say that and, and then I just go back to the thing that I said before that it, it's God's idea. And man, if I want you to have joy, how much more does he want you to have joy? Enjoy life. Enjoy your time with your family. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy church. Enjoy worship. Quit trying to work your way into something when you come into worship. Quit trying to work your way into something when you come into prayer. Quit trying to work your way into something when you come into this word. I begin to pray today, and man, I, I started to get aggressive. And I started to pray against strongholds. And God's like, hey, now listen. Yeah, there are strongholds that keep my people from having joy. But on top of those strongholds, there's also a lack of revelation. And when the people grow in the revelation of the broken, bloody man, raw piece of meat, unrecognizable as a man hanging on the cross, taking their position so that they can have life and have life more abundantly, then they'll begin to walk in a fullness of joy. When you come into this house and you come into the presence of God and you come boldly before the throne of God, what you've got to picture is Jesus Christ. I didn't pay for my joy yesterday. My mom and dad didn't pay for my joy. My grandpa and grandma didn't pay for my joy. Christ paid for it. And it's paid in full. I don't know anything. Let us pray. Father, we adore you tonight. And we believe in your word and we believe that you spoke tonight. And we just want you to do what you want to do.
let us get out of the way and no longer dictate what you do. I pray that Jesus, as you release into the disciples, that you release an abundance of joy into us. I I pray that you would show us the difference between happiness and joy. And I pray that you would fill us with the revelation of you, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and what you did so that we could have joy and that we would no longer have to mourn. I pray, Father, that we would be like Jesus, that we would hate sin and love justice, love righteousness, so therefore you pour joy onto us. We seek joy tonight. We seek your face. And I pray against the strongholds, God, that would attack the spirit of joy from your people. I rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the spirit of revelation would drown the deceptive spirits tonight that have robbed your people from seeing that you desire for us to be a joyful people and enjoy life to the fullness, just like Jesus did. Cultivate this word in our hearts tonight. Continue to reprogram us according to your will and according to your word. Reprogram us, Father. We love you and pray that the realness of your presence, the reality, the awareness of your presence in us and around us would grow so that we may walk with you in a closer walk in an intimate place, in bedroom experiences. Now may your grace, God, and your love, and the love of you, Christ Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, go with us now, changing us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from revelation to revelation. In Jesus' name, we declare it. We ask that it be graced and granted unto us now. Change us. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. You're dismissed.